0: We are talking about sin in our series. Uh, what's funny about sin is probably the topic I get asked the most about. You know, um, we did an entire series on the parables of Jesus last, uh, I think it was August or September. And the one thing I kept being asked about, what about sin and all this stuff? And so we decided to do an entire series on sin. But what's so tricky about sin is this. Sin is like, uh, when you begin talking about sin, it, it affects It's connected to every other way that you understand God. So basically, the way that you understand sin explains the way you understand God. It's one of the most complex little things to talk about. And what's interesting is, you know, as I've been studying and praying about this this topic, it's so funny to see that so many people, you know, can say so much about sin, but really the truth is we say so little because we don't really know exactly what the heart is of God towards sin. So for us to kind of begin to uncover this, we're going to start with a story. Who likes trees? Anyone like trees? Yeah. Catherine, I like trees. I was praying for someone the other day, and, and, and uh, you know, I, asked, I said, I don't know why I'm so ashy, but you know, so do you like trees? And you should have saw the face. It's just like, yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah, trees are great. Anyways, but it was God, okay? It wasn't crazy. It was God. Okay, so trees, all right. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, go to Genesis. Chapter 2, as you guys know, when we're talking about anything crucial to understanding the nature of God, if it's the gospel, if it's who Jesus is, why Jesus come, we always start at the beginning. Understand that when you begin to see the scriptures as, as one large arcing story, okay, it's not, whatever we call it story, we're not saying it's false or fake, we're saying it is, is an unbroken chain of events that is going somewhere. And so when you begin to understand that revelation is directly connected to the book of Genesis, which is directly connected to today, it starts to make more sense. Whereas most of us see Genesis in the Old Testament as this kind of a disconnected thing from Jesus. But I want you to see how trees will help you understand sin. Trees, anybody? All right, Genesis 2, verse 8, here we go. Um, Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's pause there for a second. Now, here's what we have, okay? So far in the story, we, have, we see God has created the universe. He's created time and gravity and light and darkness and you know, the oceans and the clouds. He's created all these things. But now, if you would, the story starts like this. In the beginning is God, and then God begins to create all these different things. And so, in essence, the story is getting closer and closer to home. And now God is, in essence, if you can picture this, it's almost like he's standing on earth. And now here's God, and God makes man. And then now that he has man, he's going to make something else. He makes trees. And so what happens with these trees, he has this garden, you know, so he has all of these beautiful things to enjoy for pleasure, and then in the middle of this garden, he sets two trees. These trees are not like any of the other trees. Now, understand that in the story, the reason that he put them in the middle is why? Because they're important, right? (laughs) Right? Okay, so here's this entire garden. Right in the middle of them are these two trees that are side by side each other. Now, this is crucial for you to understand. For you to understand sin, understand the heart of God towards sin, you've got to understand these two trees. Now, if you guys want to fast forward there to verse 15, it says, The Lord God, He took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, He said, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, we know... uh, We all know how the story goes, right? So you got the trees, you got the garden, he ends up making Eve, and then there's animals everywhere, and there's this this, uh, utopia of pleasures, right? I mean, you can do whatever you want to do, everything's great. Basically, your existence is to enjoy God and to enjoy your mate and to enjoy everything else in the garden, right? Sounds pretty good, right? It's like a sandals resort. Gotcha, okay, here we go, okay. But there's one thing, smack dab in the middle, but there's just one small caveat. You can't eat from the one tree. And this one tree, of course, is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What's so interesting about that statement to me is that if I were to tell you this, there's a tree out back. It's called the tree of life. If you would go eat the fruit of that tree, guess what? When you eat that tree... You live longer. If you have that tree and you continue to eat from it, guess what will happen? You will never die. Someone will be stealing my tree, right? I mean, come on, be honest. So if I told you I had that tree in the backyard, would you care about any other tree? You're saying I could live forever? But that's not even what the story talks about. Because what Adam hears is, I can't have that one. What in the world is wrong with us, right? You can have all these trees, and then you can even have this one tree that will give you life forever. You will never die. But oh yeah, there's a tree right next to it. Just don't eat from that one. Because if you eat that one, the opposite thing is going to happen. What's going to (laughs) happen? So if I said I've got two trees in my backyard, one, you eat from it, you live forever. The other one, you're going to die. Seems like a hard situation, doesn't it? Okay. And so, and so um, you know, I'm sure you guys have figured out what I'm talking about here. So this entire Sunday, we're going to talk about these two trees, okay? Understanding sin comes back to understanding these two trees. Now, let's talk about the tree of life, the first tree we see here. Now, understand that, that the tree of life is something that has been offered to Adam and of course, when Eve's created, it's been offered to her as well. They have the freedom to eat from this tree whenever they want to. And, it's this, it's the, it, and this tree is a picture of right relationship with God. Now, whenever I use the word uh, relationship, think of it less of like a buddy. It's more like um, how you relate to someone. Here's an example. So me and uh, Roy, we're buddies, we're good friends, right? But I don't relate to Roy the same way that I relate to my wife, Nisa. Roy would have a problem with that. <laughs> right? Okay, so a relationship, it entails things. Okay, so to, to be in a relationship with someone, it means that there is a certain uh, side of it to where there is an understanding. I treat you this way, you treat me that way. And if we stay in treating each other in these right ways, there's benefits you know, to this relationship. If I treat Roy well, then I can come to his house and... You eat some food, right? Right? If I treat my wife well, it's different. <laughs> right? Come on. Stay with me. We're all done. Okay. Okay. And so, again, it's going to be a good Sunday. This is what it means to relate to someone, to have a, you know, a relationship, to step into understanding how to relate to that person. And so there's responsibility and there's benefits. Now, this is the way it works with all things. Now, with God, the first, the only outline that we see here with God, we see that God tells man, he says, okay, you will relate to me in this way. Your purpose is to care for everything in this place, this entire garden. And secondly, you will relate to me by not breaking my trust, by not eating from what? This tree. If you, if you are in the right relation to me, if you behave rightly, if we, if we keep our trust, then here's what you get. You get all of this, and by the way, you get all of this forever, because you also get the tree of life. So in the garden, in the center of the garden, this first tree, the tree of life, it represents right relationship with God. The new covenant word we use is, is righteousness. Okay, right standing, meaning everything is good between me and you. Now, this other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, understand that this tree is the opposite of that. This tree represents broken relationship. Now, we talked about sin, right? Sin, as we talked about last week, sin is something that breaks relationship, but it's also something that comes out of broken relationship. Meaning, if if I were to cheat on my spouse, it's going to break their relationship. But nine times out of ten, when someone cheats on their spouse, it's because what? the relationship is already broken. Okay. It's a cycle. It's a sickness. Uh, The the Scriptures talk about it as like a disease. It's a cancer that once it starts, it continues to multiply itself. And so what's going to happen here is in this second tree, what it is to have the knowledge of good and evil, it's not to know that evil exists. What it is to know what is good and what is wrong is to do what? To judge. It means to be able to decide for yourself, do I take this path or do I take this path? And what this is trying to show is that in, in right relationship with God, the only thing that God ever asked of man was that he would continue to allow God to be God. But over here, what happens with this tree is we have this temptation that if I eat from this tree, then I get to be God. This means that when you have the knowledge of good and evil, when you choose to sit in the seat of God, you are taking his place, and it's now up to you in your hands to, in essence, to steer your ship, to direct the rest of your life. It's up to you, not anyone else, what you do with your money. It's up to you, not anyone else, who you marry or the things you do or the things you don't want to do. You know, If you come to church, you don't go to church. Your life is in your hands. You are now your own king. Okay? Now, what happens from this, what's so difficult with this, is that when you are in a healthy relationship, you can't have it both ways. I cannot expect to eat from the tree of life and also continue to break relationship and to step outside of the bounds of my agreed interaction. How do I say this nicely? If I'm going to be a jerk to my wife... Do I need to say anything, man? It's not going to work out good for you, right? Okay. You might end up on the couch, right? I don't get... The benefits of the relationship, if I do not stay within, right? Got me? Right in relationship. Okay, you guys got it. And again, all this starts with God. Now, I have the freedom to choose which, whichever I want to do, but I can't have it both ways. I cannot choose to break relationship with God and expect to still begin to have the benefits of that relationship with God. So what happens here is... You know, we have the serpent, we have Satan, he's here with Adam and Eve, and he's beginning to kind of put these little lies in their ears, and what he's doing is he's bringing attention to the only thing that this, that this God is trying to withhold from them, and he convinces them that the heart and the plans of God are not good for them, that God is holding something back, that the course, the plan, the judgment of God to say this is good for you isn't good enough. So now it's man's job to decide what's good for them. Are you seeing what's happening here? The moment, how do you explain this? They've already eaten of the tree before they eat the fruit. They've already decided what's better for them before they ever actually ate the fruit. They already sat in the seat of judgment and said, you know what, God says this is good, but I don't think he's right. I think this is good, and I'm going to go this way because this is better for me. This is the root of sin. We begin to decide what is best for us, not God. At the root of sin is us saying, I know what's best for me, not you. And so what we see here in the garden is that we see that that this first tree, the tree of life, we see that this tree of life, it represents full relationship with God. Which offers us the outrageous freedom and access to life. I mean, like, I mean, it's hard for us to even imagine this. Imagine an entire planet with two humans on it told, hey, enjoy everything that's here forever with no end. That was the offer on the table. And what happens is, even now with Jesus, that is the offer on the table, if we would just choose to submit ourselves and to choose to, to believe that what God says is best for us and not what we want, there is something on the other end waiting for us. And it's actually pretty darn good. But the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happens here is it represents rebellion or war against God by siding with Satan. We break trust in relationship with God, um, well, this can be a shame. Who watches like, um? you put this, like, shows with knights and castles, armies, kings, you know? I'm trying not to call you out by saying the name of the show. I think you know what I'm talking about. Okay. No? You guys don't watch that? Okay. Yeah. It's Honest People. Okay. There's a show that's really popular right now. There's soldiers and there's forts and castles and dragons and swords. Okay. I mean, come on, guys. You guys have Facebook, all right? It comes on tonight, and half of you are all going to be watching it? Okay. Now, uh, what's always so interesting in these settings is it helps us because like, the language of the gospel is it's much more clear in this context. You know, the gospel is always talking about kings and lords and, and, and kingdoms. And so what happens here, for us to understand what really took place with this, this siding uh, with Satan thing, um, what happens sometimes when you have a foreign army that's beginning to invade a kingdom, and if you have this castle or this, 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 this you know, it's like a provincial king, if you would. He, he's, he's lord over a, a small part of this kingdom of this land. What happens is these kings are often given a choice. You can choose to submit to my lordship, And if you do that, I'll allow you to stay in power. I will give you, in essence, authority and freedom as a king, as long as you submit to me. Or you can choose to stay loyal to the kingdom that you are with. And if you do that, we're going to fight. Now, this is what is taking place here in the garden. We are choosing whose loyalty we are going to hold on to. And the Scriptures, when they talk about sin, they talk about, um, the Apostle Paul explains that that there's only a choice between two masters. If we choose sin, we're a slave to Satan. If we choose uh, repentance and the blood of Jesus, we're a slave to Jesus. Sounds really exciting, I know, it's awesome. And so what happens here is that the root of sin in the garden is that we chose our side. Satan was declaring war on God, and he offered us something. I will give you true freedom if you would just take my side. But if you guys watch those shows, you guys understand something. You understand that whenever they get offered you know, to be a king or to have power or land, there's always strings attached. Yes, always strings attached to it. And so yes, you get to have power and you get to have a castle and you get this illusion of freedom. But every time I want something from you, I'm going to pull the string. Just like a puppet. And so you might have a crown and you might have this appearance of having everything that you want in life. But whenever I want something from you, I'm going to pull those strings. This is how we need to understand sin. Whenever we are living in this life separate from the Lordship of Jesus, we have an appearance of freedom. You know what? I control my own life. I've got money. I've got cars. I've got, you know, boats. I've got whatever it is that I want to go get. I have freedom, you know, to do whatever it is I want to do. But there's strings attached to every one of those illusions of freedom. Anyone in here, you know, who actually has a lot of money knows that money comes with strings attached to it. The more money you have, the less freedom that you actually literally have. If you get past a certain point and you begin to make tons of money, guess what? You have tons of strings, tons of responsibility, and there's tons of ways to lose your money. The more money you have, the more time you need to spend taking care of your money. The more assets, the more homes, the more businesses, the more wives and ladies on the side. Come on now. I'm messing with someone, okay? All these illusions of freedom are not free at all. This is the heart of the Gospel. And so when you begin to see language in, in the New Testament about kingship and lordship and about uh, being freed, being purchased from Satan, being, being ransomed from sin, you are now free from this debt and this weight of sin. This is, is where it's coming from. This is what uh, the understanding is of sin. That whenever we choose to push off this relationship with God, we're free to have whatever it is that we want. But the problem is that everything that we have outside of our our relationship with God comes with strings attached to it. Now, now that we understand these two trees, you've got the tree of life, which is the right relationship with God, and you've got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a picture of choosing to take control of your own life. Now it comes time for us to figure out which tree are we going to choose? The problem in all this is that we still have to choose every single day. We still have to choose which tree we will actually embrace. Now, the book of Revelation shows us something very interesting. Okay? When we see Jesus, He comes back as King, and He brings His forces, and you know, He defeats the enemy. And then everyone who chose to side with Him to stay loyal to Jesus is now ushered into His kingdom. And... In essence, they get brought back into this Garden of Eden. They get brought back into this place of enjoyment and eternity, all these great things. But understand, at the beginning of the book, there's two trees. But in Revelation at the end, guess what? There's only one tree. The tree of life is the only one of those two trees that's actually in the kingdom of heaven at the end. Because only the people who embrace that tree are the ones who, who make it through Because only those who are fully submitted to the kingship, the lordship of Jesus Christ are the ones who are welcomed into this kingdom. This is what's at the heart of sin. It's it's a choice. Am I going to choose to stay in in the right relationship with with Jesus and trust Him and rely on Him? Or am I going to choose to, to shed that off and to take it into my own hands and to have the freedom that I want? The problem is that both trees promise us freedom. And that's what's so difficult for us to figure out. Which tree do I choose? And of course, most of us choose the other one. Because, okay, who here just loves to be a passenger in a car? Who here? Like, you would prefer that. You are the exception, my friends. Who here wants to have the wheel? Not the passenger wheel, the wheel. Okay, so honest people, Okay. We're going on a trip on Thursday. We're going to take some leaders to a conference. And, and, you know, here's a promise to all you. I'm going to have the wheel. I'm just being honest. I mean, I just, I love you, but I just don't know if I trust you with the wheel. Right? And so what happens with God, it's the exact same way. Ooh, I love you. I just don't know if I trust you. We don't talk a lot about money here, at Grace, because, you know, churches have just abuse that, you know, and it's not all churches, but, you know, often you get pressured to more, 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 but when it comes to tithe and offering, it's such a powerful litmus test of our heart. It, it, it causes us to make this choice. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Do I trust you with that? Mm, I just don't know if I can trust you with the wheel. I just don't know if I can trust you with that check. Ha, ah, don't know about all that. We had a leader come to me. Um, this week, and, and they, they are really kind of stressed out because they feel God calling them to invest more of their time uh, in the ministry. But for them to do that, they have to take a pay cut. They have to find a job that gives them freedom in their hours, and they're just not sure they can do it. They're willing to do it. They're just scared to death. They're honest people, right? They're honest. And, and so it's that, it's that challenge for them. I love you, Lord, but do I trust you? Am I going to take upon myself... the requirements of this relationship. Um, I don't have this in my notes, but I'll, that's kind of freestyle. If you guys remember the conversation that Jesus had at the well, and so he's speaking to this woman, and he knows that she's been in sin, and, and of course, she's an outsider. You know, she comes from a, a people who have been uh, re- rejected by the Jews. She's not welcome to worship at the temple, all these kinds of things, okay? He shouldn't be talking to her is the whole point. And he, <laughs> He's sitting down with her. He's speaking to her, and he makes a statement to her. He says, "If only you knew who I was, you would come to me, and you would drink of the living water inside of me." And he makes a statement, and he talks. What he says, he says, "Come to me, all who are weary, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light." And it's this idea that the requirements, the the yoke, if you would, you know, it's a picture of like that that the piece of wood that would tie two oxen together, the yoke, the way that we get into relationship with God, it, it, it is, how do you put that? It is confining, okay? Like there are do's and don'ts in, in this relationship. If I am, am going to come in a relationship with Jesus, I've got to take this yoke. I have got to have, to have my, my freedom limited, okay? But what he's saying here is that when you step into this yoke, when you tie yourself to me, it will feel as if you're limited. It's still a yoke, okay? You still just can't take it off and run off. It's still a yoke. It's still limiting, but it's light and it's easy. And then he shares his heart. And he talks about how there will be times of refreshing. If you're weary, if you're heavy, it makes no sense, okay? If I were tired, if if I were exhausted, the last thing I'd be looking for is a big heavy piece of wood to put on my shoulders. But that's the... I mean, that's His answer. Oh, are you exhausted and tired? Here's this big heavy piece of wood to put on your shoulders. I mean, again, right? The Gospel makes no sense. If you're sick, if you're tired, if you're discouraged, if you're in pain, if you're scared, if you're fearful, if you don't want to die, then come to the cross and die. What happens is, for us to return to the tree of life, for us to return into, into right relationship with God, it takes faith. But if you don't understand that word, let's say trust. Again, if God's gonna tell me that, you know, in Jesus I can live forever, where this promise in the gospels that through Jesus the power of God is able to, to raise him from the dead, that we have proof that this God is able to defeat death, that if we would trust him, that we would be able to eat from the tree of life again and never, ever have to die. That's a pretty good promise, but I wish that he would like give us fruit again and that I could eat it and just live. The problem is this. We still have to taste death. The promise is not that we would not ever physically experience death here. The promise is that even though we're going to experience death when it's the right time, He's going to pull us out of it to overcome it. But we still got to face it. It'd be so much easier to trust him, you know, but okay, so what you're saying is that if I trust Jesus, then I get to beat, you know, death. So it would be great to have like brothers and sisters around you who are like, you know, 3,000 years old, right? Like, hey, that makes, that's awesome. I'd love to do that. The problem is they're dead. They're in the ground or worse. (laughs) Who knows? Okay. Come on, be honest. Okay, anyway. The problem is that we still have to see people pass. We still have to to experience suffering and loss and pain and and all these terrible things of this world and, and still have to find a way to restore the trust which we broke all the way back in the garden. But if we would do that, if we would choose to restore that trust, then we have this promise. On the other end of that, even if the rest of your life in this world, if you chose to obey Jesus and for some awful reason your life was awful, like Job, for example, if you lost everyone you loved, if you came down with the worst sickness, if you were the poorest person on the earth, there's still this promise on the other side of it for you. And the question is always, are you going to restore that faith and restore that trust? Are you willing to live in this life trusting that he's going to restore the trick? Because here's the trick. Here's the whole trick of it. We're not in the garden anymore, people. Things are not perfect anymore. And guess what? We die. We have limited time, limited resources. This entire world is pressuring you to take care of you. YOLO. Three people knew what I was talking about. You only live once, right? Sometimes I just feel stupid, all right there's one okay i just yelled yolo please <laughs> we're going to edit that from the video okay um we have this society that tells you you know you only have one shot you only have so many minutes so many breaths you only have so many chances to soak up as much fun and enjoyment as you can so make as much money as you can you know uh, Take as many vacations as you can, you know, whatever it is, okay? Be as successful as possible. Pour your life into getting as much as you can in this short breath of existence as possible because you're going to die and it's going to be over. And all that matters is what you experience here. And so we're not in the garden anymore. And so we are constantly surrounded by this, this world that tells us that, you know what? Who cares what Jesus said because, you know what, it's up to you to decide what's best For you. Does that sound familiar? Do what your heart tells you. (laughs) Have you guys gotten that advice before? What's your heart saying? My heart says I want to do everything I shouldn't do. (laughs) I mean, be honest, right? Don't always trust your heart. It's not the same thing as the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is this what happens is the way that we restore this relationship with God is by this thing we call faith it 's by trusting so what happens is we don 't have any way to make things right with god there 's no way that we can fix this this betrayal that we 've done to God. so what he does is is in Jesus he comes and he makes everything right inside of him and i 'm not going to break all that open this, this morning, but understand that we have this 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 chance to have all things restored back to us, but there's only one caveat. It takes this thing called faith, this thing called trust. And faith or trust, it starts internally. It's something that, you know, through your emotions and your thinking and the Spirit of God moving in you, you get to a place where even if you're not ready, even if you have questions, you are willing to take a step to trust Him. And so, what happens is it starts as trust and faith, but it walks itself out as obedience. So, what you do is you step back into right relationship. In essence, you take the yoke, you allow yourself to be restricted, to have your freedom restricted. You allow someone else to direct the path of this life. You're only 50 years, 90 years, if you're lucky, 100 years. You give those into someone else's hand, you take a gamble. Here's the thing, Let's all be honest, there's no one in this room who knows for sure as fact that Jesus will raise you from the dead after you die. You can have all the faith in the world, but no one in this room knows for sure. That's why it's called faith, trust. And so we step into this confining relationship with the hope that we're going to get the benefits back from it that we're going to be able to relate to God in this way, that we're going to begin to trust Him and to obey Him, and simply put, to follow Jesus in all the ways of our life. And if we do that, we have a promise that we get returned back to the tree of life. Over here on this side, we always have this option. We could say, forget that, and choose to grasp every moment and every second and, you know, every day and do exactly what we want to do and to live it up for as much time as you have on the earth and just hope this whole God thing is fake. The problem is you have to choose one. And the scarier thing is you do choose it every day. And the odds are is every one of us most of the time is choosing this tree. We're choosing to put our lives in our hands. Interesting. In the Old Covenant, we get to understand something is that in the Old Covenant, basically the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was basically the old agreement on the way that we're going to interact, the old relationship even that we have with God. Was he put it down on paper, here's all the dues. Here's all the don'ts, and if you do the do's, then you get the good stuff. If you do the don'ts, you get the other stuff, right? And there's lots of bad other stuff that comes with that. It's kind of scary. In Jesus, we have this thing that we call the new covenant, the new relationship. And what's really interesting about this is that in the new relationship, it starts when Jesus, he hangs on a tree. Mm-hmm. The tree again, right? That tree starts popping up over and over again, right? And all of a sudden, the tree of life emerges yet again. The tree of life. If we would just approach, choose this tree, eat from this tree, because Jesus says what? He says, "Eat my flesh and drink my blood." Are you seeing the connections here? All of a sudden, the tree of life springs up thousands of years later. We want to talk about that. And so it springs up, and so now we have a choice. The tree of life is made an option for us yet again. But it looks different. Because in this world, in that world, the tree of life was free. We could just eat whenever we wanted. In this world, that's not controlled by God, this world that the Scriptures say are under the control of the evil one, in this world, to eat of that tree, to get back into right relationship, has a price. And it's the cross. It's blood. It's scary. It's ugly. It's ugly. And it's, it's honestly the last thing that we want to choose. But the only way for us to get back to the garden, to get back to right relationship with God, is to eat from this tree, to embrace this tree. And of course, the way Jesus puts it, to pick this tree up and carry it around every single day of our lives. Um, have you guys ever seen the, um, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe? children's story. It was a movie like 10 years ago. Okay. I'm like, do you guys like go to the movies or like, you know, on Facebook or anything? I mean, like my pop culture references are just terrible today, I guess. I don't know. YOLO, right? I don't know. Okay. C.S. Lewis has one of the most beautiful and simplistic pictures of what we're talking about this morning. We have Edmund, the brother who has betrayed his family, right? He sold them out to the white witch. It's a picture of what we did at the tree because he thought that what was best for him was the power and freedom that the witch offered him. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? She comes to him on the sleigh. She offers some candies, right? Yeah. She's beautiful. She sounds sweet and nice, all this kind of stuff. Hey, if you would just come with me, I'll take care of everything you want. Just here's some candy, Follow me back to the castle. He betrays his family, betrays uh Aslan as well, who's a picture of Jesus. And then what does he get? A prison cell. That's what he gets. He gets a prison cell and what? A death sentence. Straight from the Bible. And so what happens here? with Aslan, is he has his choice. He has no obligation to Edmund. Edmund has now joined his enemy. He's now part of the army of this this kingdom that's trying to, to defeat him. He doesn't have to do a thing for him, but he makes a choice. And he makes a choice to ransom Edmund. He offers himself to get Edmund back. Because again... Even though Edmund starts out with a family, now in this new world, in this new reality, freedom has a price now. To get back to where he was, there's a price on it, and it's blood. And so we see this picture where Aslan, he trades, he ransoms, he puts himself in the place. And so they have this exchange, and so Aslan allows himself to be slain. And so, you know, we have this, it's on the stone table which is the picture of the cross, the picture of this thing that began in the beginning because in in Narnia, this table was at the beginning of creation. It's the tree. And so what happens here is that the trick is is that when he's he's murdered, everyone thought that this murder was only going to be for the one kid, for Edmund. But the trick was that because of the nature, because of who Aslan was, because of the, the... the purity of his intentions, this, this opened a door, opened a gateway. And now, because of what happened here on the stone table, when they come find him, the, the girls come find him the next day, all of a sudden he disappears and the table's broken. Gone. It's a picture of the one tree being removed. And now, through Aslan, through allegiance and through embrace of Aslan, every single person has the ability to, To enter into this world of life, peace, security. It's exactly what we see with Jesus. We all have this thing called grace. Meaning, it's nothing that we earn. It's only something we choose. We have this ability to choose Jesus. And in choosing that, choosing to embrace this ugly, nasty cross, we have the ability to enter into everything that our heart yearns for. But it takes one thing putting on that yoke. We must choose to step back into relationship with Jesus. And the problem with relationship with Jesus is he has requirements. There's a a limitation. What do we call Jesus? We call him what and what? What and what? Jesus is our... I just love the Bible always puts Lord first. I love that. Because the stipulations of our relationship, the ring, if you would, the way that that we get the benefits of having a Savior who who pulls us out of death and he, He hands over all this good, amazing things for eternity and all this great stuff, is what? Entering into the confining relationships of Lordship. We have to give up the tree of the knowledge of good need. We have to give up the right to be our own King, to be our own God. We have to give up full control to our new Lord. But in that, is this promise. In the Scriptures, the last major example that the Scriptures give us of how we are to relate uh, to Jesus, specifically, is marriage. And it's this picture of the church whenever Jesus returns, and that the church is all those who have chosen to submit and to stay loyal to Jesus. And it's this picture of like a bride and the bridegroom, And it's this idea of this marriage wedding ceremony. And what's happening is that we, the church, are choosing to enter into a confining relationship. Okay. Who's married? Okay. Do you have freedom to do whatever you want to do and stay married? Okay. If you want the benefits of marriage, there's certain requirements you have to follow, there's a certain way that we have to relate to our spouses. And for us to have the relationship, to have the benefits, we have to stay inside the, if you would, the guidelines, the parameters even, of how we relate to this person. Now, if you want to ask me, what are the parameters in the New Testament? I'll tell you, if you guys have your Bibles, we'll just go ahead and go there. If you guys have your Bibles, go to uh, Matthew, actually, I'm sorry, Mark 12, 38, 28 through 31. That was so confusing. Mark 12, 28 through 31. It's very simple we go here all the time the the confines of our relationship with Jesus are summarized here for us to be followers of Jesus this is how we do it love the lord your god with what everything and then love who your neighbor There's no piece of paper anymore that has all the details of if you do this or you don't do that. It's very simple. He's taken the, the entire rule book, he's put it into one person, Jesus, and he says, okay, so to be in a right relationship with me, here's what you got to do. Follow Jesus. And if that's, you know, way too complicated, we'll make it simple. When you follow Jesus, here's what it looks like. You love God with everything, meaning he has everything, and you love your neighbor the same way that you love yourself, meaning... From this moment forward, you matter more than I matter. The same way that in my previous life I would work my tail off to have money to take care of myself, to do what I wanted to do, to have all the, the toys and the vacations and you know, the honor and you know, success, the same way that I used to toil my life to take care of me and mine, I am now going to use those same energies to do what? Take care of you. This is the confines. This is the yoke. These are the vows of our new relationship with God. If you want to choose the tree of life, if you want to return to the right relationship with God, if you want the benefits of walking with God, if you want to live forever, you want to be all these great, amazing things. Heaven series, you guys remember that? It was great. If you guys want all those great things, guess what? All you got to do is hug that cross. Choose that tree. The tree of life is still for us to choose but it's covered in blood. And the way that we choose it is by fully entering into covenant relationship, meaning we agree to have this kind of faithfulness, trust, and intimacy with Jesus. And what He asks is He offers us everything. Forgiveness for the past, healing, power, empowerment, purpose, life, hope, healing, eternal life, and all we have to do is follow Him. And what that looks like is loving God with everything and loving our neighbor, living selflessly. And the problem for most of us is we love the promise on the other end, but we're not willing to truly take on that ring. We want the benefits of marriage, but we're not willing to make the commitment. But this is the gospel, friends. This is the price. For us to eat of the trip of life, we have to choose To come to the cross. It's the only way for us. So I I really don't care, you know, the different ways that we've talked about sin or been, been taught about sin. This is the heart of sin, how we are relating to God. Are we following Jesus or are we taking control of our life and doing what we see is best for us? We'll talk about this more in probably about two weeks, but we don't have this list anymore of these things that are sins. What we have is every single time that I make an action or a commitment or a choice that does not put God first or put you first. If it puts me first, guess what? Sin. Well, I'm, you know, pumped up and happy. You guys stand with me. We're going to close it out this way with some prayer.